Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. We're about to do an episode of I Love You So Much. But before we do that, we wanted to take a moment and acknowledge that as we record this, our city is on edge as we continue to experience explosions in neighborhoods we know and love and call home. Victims and their families, we cannot tell you how much we are thinking about you and sending our support from I Love You So Much. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm your host, Tali Mosley. I'm Omar Gayaga. And I'm Addie Broyles, coming to you from the shores of Ladybird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. South by Southwest wrapped up last weekend, but we are still recounting the buzzy bands, blockbuster films, and chance encounters with celebrities and everyday festgoers that made this year's festival so memorable. What do the biggest celebrities of South by Southwest love about Austin? We chat with Alyssa Vidales about what it's like covering the red carpet and interviewing stars like Lena Waithe, the makers of the latest Star Wars movie, and the cast of Isle of Dogs. On this week's Web Report, Statesman Social Media Editor Eric Webb comes in to talk about one of the most unusual shows at South by Southwest this year, an eight-hour concert meant to put its audience to sleep. We will wrap up with a toast, but for now, we're going to get started with Omar and Tali and I to talk about some of the highlights of our festival, Looking Back. So, are we all recovered? (laughs) Oh, Actually, you know what? I took better care of myself this year. I, I went to bed soon earlier on some nights. I went home instead of staying out late. You look good. Rides. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say it. Seen Omar me on is bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> I had one person tell me on Tuesday of the of the festival as it was winding down, like you look rested. I'm like, I've never heard that in 20 <laughs> years of covering South by. So yeah, uh, no, I, and you know that kind of ties into something I, I I wrote about this week was that I felt the crowds were a little bit smaller. I mm-hmm. felt it was scaled down, and I mean we won't know till probably June what the attendance numbers were. Uh, as far as actual attendance and participants, you know, badge holders, but I I saw fewer crowds, and I and I mean I tweeted out asking people that, and I got a lot of responses saying, you know, definitely the bars feel less crowded, the lines are shorter, and uh, there might be a couple reasons for that uh, beyond just fewer people. I think that, that that some of it is that it was more spread out over different venues. We have the Fairmont Hotel now, which we've talked about, and uh, there's also the theory that there's there was better transportation. We have you know Lyft and Uber, people riding little motor scooters and stuff. So it feels like things were not so centralized around the convention center like they usually are. So that might have been part of why it felt a little bit like there was more elbow room around. Mm-hmm. Well, I was definitely feeling the 10-day nature of it. I did, full confession, sneak out of town for four days in the middle, so I was only <laughs> participating High in five, girl, six me too. days. I saw you like a, your pictures from Big Man, and I was like, did you teleport? How did, how did that happen? <laughs> I know. I mean, it, but 10 days is a long time, and I think those of us who cover it feel it. Those people who attend it feel it. Um, I would just note that, you know, as I mentioned in our preview episode, all the food programming moved to the middle of the week, which was a big surprise to a lot of people I ran into 
the first weekend of the festival who were thinking, I'm here for food. I always come this time and there's nothing, well, not there's nothing I'll get, I can attend, which we'll get to in a second about the side panels that were happening. But um, in general, I was noticing that things were spread out and that there were just more options outside of the convention center for people to go with or without a badge. Yeah. So let's go into that, Addie, because, you know, Ross, my husband was remarking to me that he'd like to do South by sometime. And I was remarking back that it's so cost prohibitive if you don't have a badge. So I really like that more companies were hosting these side panels that you could go to and you can have an intellectually rich afternoon without having to shell out for a so day pass or a badge. The New York Times, CNN, Box. I had talked about the Land Lakes activation, um, you know, but there were just no Bumble. fewer than... Oh, Bumble. Yeah, yeah, Bumble had two days worth of programming. Um, and, you know, badges did get priority to those events, but none of those events were full of badges. It was full of people from the community who are involved in each of those industries showing up. And uh, yeah, it'll save you $1,000. And and what's interesting to me is when you're actually on the South by website searching for things to do, these events come up. So South by is acknowledging that there is a rich outside of the festival environment that people are participating in. And unlike previous years where they would exclude your ability to find those things, they're actually helping you get to those places. So I think South by as a perhaps solution to the problem of panels being full, getting turned away, that they're saying, oh, well, maybe it's not a bad thing that there are these private parties and activations I say parties, you know, day parties where there are panels and speakers um, that can kind of alleviate some of the pressure on the the main programming. Yeah. And you might see some of the same speakers, you know, being interviewed by a different person or yeah. talking on a different topic than, say, their keynote. And uh, what I heard before the festival was that what's happening there is that, you know, they're, these brands are kind of looking beyond, let's just give everybody nachos and tequila. Like, let's mm-hmm. actually give them something that they'll come away from remembering or learning. Or talking about on social media. Yeah. And you know, I'm curious if uh, we talk with Peter Blacksock whether this was an internal change or an external change. It seems like it's both, but I like the fact that South by Southwest seems just slightly more democratic and accessible these days. And it seems like it's sort of, you know, I don't want to like own this claim entirely, but it's moving slightly back more towards a discovery festival mm-hmm. rather than like elites. Huge pop stars, huge brand. You can only see it if you have a $1,000 platinum badge. I'm definitely on the music side. I, I was hearing a lot of that. A lot of like, they're not these big marquee names uh, that are performing. But if you look around, they are definitely great musicians that you should be checking out or that you should be finding. And I think just the transportation and the fewer crowds made it easier to do that, to not have to stand in huge lines just to go see a music showcase. I mean, we saw stuff emerge this year, like uh, a lot of K-pop stars, which is, you know, we've had that at the festival before, but this year it felt like it really broke out. And if, if you read some of uh, the reviews that Deborah wrote, that, that uh, Peter wrote, like you were seeing new genres of music really kind of emerge at the festival uh, beyond, you know, kind of the rock and even some of the hip hop, like we were, you were seeing new stuff that you might not have seen before or might have been overshadowed by the Kanye's and the Drake's showing up. Mm-hmm. Parenthetical note, you mean rock the genres and not rock the person. No, I, I like to rock the vote, Tom. I would, I would, I would have loved that if I this discovered. I mean, if I discovered the rock. I'm going to call street. it right now that Dwayne Johnson will be at South by next year. Oh yeah, in prep for a presidential run. I'm just, I'm just going to call it now. Into it. So okay, so Addie, one let's regular, talk, yeah. yeah, one regular thing that there was lines, but is nice because it's a tradition uh, that I think many people enjoy is the Rachel Ray party. So I came back from Big Ben specifically to go to that party. Rachel has been a huge fan of of Austin for a long time, and she hosts this party as her way to say, "Hey, you guys." are awesome. This is my big free party. And, and I've come to really appreciate that it is the biggest food party of the festival. Um, they give out tons and tons of food, 
booze is free flowing. Um, this year, Salt and Peppa was one of the headliners, but also this Dr. Pepper Jaded Hearts Club band. And I, you know, Rachel just she is so enthusiastic about the city. I left that party feeling more enthusiastic about my city, and that was a gift that I think she gives lots of people who attend. And it is crowded. It is the line around the block every year, and this is the eleventh year for it. So it's it's always nice to see our city from perspective of someone who comes with just once a year or mm-hmm. twice a year because they're they're so bright eyed about it, and they're like, "Austin is so great. You're so lucky to live here." And you're like. Oh, yeah. Well, and somebody outside of Austin also pointed out to me that she she hosts this party and of all the South by parties that are hosted by brands. I mean, she obviously is a brand, but she's kind of the biggest one name party that happens during South by. Um, and I hadn't really appreciated that yet. So. There are certain unofficial names associated with South by that if they went away, everybody would freak out. Mm-hmm. And Bill like, Murray. Fa- our, fa- Fader Ford. Mm-hmm. Rachel annu- Ray party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our annual South by Southwest Leprechaun. <laughs> was uh, here in town. So let's talk about some of the other uh, big stuff that we saw. I mean, we, we were talking off mic about Elon Musk, which mm-hmm. every year there's always some big last minute surprise. You know, it, one year it was Biden. Uh, the, the Obamas were one year. Mm-hmm. This year it wasn't so political, but it, but we did have a big name, which was the Westworld uh, panel actually brought out Elon Musk on that first Saturday because the filmmakers who made Westworld made a short film with Musk about his Falcon project. So they, mm-hmm. that was the tie-in. Mm-hmm. So they're like, and you know, we had this whole star-studded cast panel with like Dandy Newton and uh, James Marston, all these stars from uh, Westworld. And then, oh, and by the way, Elon Musk come out for the last five minutes and people <laughs> like lost their minds. And they showed this short film, which got people very emotional. It was a very inspirational, mm-hmm. you know, going to space thing. Uh, and then they added a Q&A panel with Elon Musk at the at Austin City Limits the next day, which I, I stood in line for and got in. And it was really, you know, a little underwhelming content-wise. It was like he was just answering questions from the audience, and he seemed kind of low energy. I, my theory is he was hanging out with Snoop Dogg the night before, which <laughs> is documented. That was on Instagram. He really was. Uh, so I'm like, okay, that explains, you know, being a little lethargic. Uh, but, you know, he was just, you know, like when you get inside his brain, what you reveal is that there's a lot of meticulous detail <laughs> that, that he's thinking about as far as like costs, you know, like this rocket costs as much as this rocket, but we make it this 20% cheaper. And you're like, that's not that interesting to hear on stage. It's not all flying cars <laughs> like and he's building really, size batteries. Yeah, he's really in the weeds on some of this stuff. And you're like, okay, well, that's great that he is, but like that doesn't make for the Can best I, presentation. Well, speaking of Q&A, um, I want to ask about a feature that was new at this year's panels, and that was Slido. That was, yes, that exactly. And, you know, okay, so Slido, it was this uh, website software app thing that people could submit questions. And what that does, the good part of that is that it eliminates the person going up to the mic and, you know, like shuffling to the mic and saying, (laughs) I have a comment and four questions, you know, and, and, you know, and rambling on and just embarrassing themselves like (laughs) it eliminates that to some degree but what it also does is it gives the moderator control over which questions and it's always the most boring questions it's always the safe questions that they end up picking softball so for elon musk it was like mars how can we help (laughs) it's like okay well you know like he just said well also i you know i think that's a shame because it cuts down the town hall aspect Mm -hmm. of Question live question asking too mm-hmm. because sure some of it might be awkward or self important but a lot of times like people ask really good questions that are challenging and that person has to think on their feet. It makes the panels a little bit airless, a little bit kind of hermetic where you're not actually seeing the person ask. You don't even see like their Twitter avatar. You just see the question on the screen and you know could be coming from anybody. Now at the screening of Ready Player One, which we're going to talk about next in next week's episode with Joe Gross. We had they did have the mic set up with people going up there and Steven Spielberg answering questions and people 
were like, you formed my childhood oh, and you, you're the reason I became a filmmaker. And like that was really emotional and, and wonderful. And, you know, nobody really embarrassed themselves. But I understand <laughs> where this comes from because I've been to lots of film screenings where people embarrass themselves. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's painful <laughs> to watch some of these like four comments and three questions, you oh, know. But it does flatten the experience. And I think it makes it so that that, you know, I love going to South by and being in this room and feeling like it's this experience that you're having. But when you, it flattens it and you're just taking questions from a slide or, you know, submitted digitally, it might as well be a TED Talk that you're watching on YouTube with a million other people. It, yeah. you know, it loses that spark. The questions feel almost computer generated. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no, per, <laughs> there's nothing there, you know. Some of the questions, they're not bad questions. You just not seeing a face yeah. that they're coming from yeah. takes away from the experience, I think. Um, let's do a State of the Union on activations. So I'm really interested in how active, how TV shows specifically and also big brands are formulating their activations and whether they focus group them or someone has one brilliant idea or what. I feel like the takeaway that, Omar, you got from Westworld, which you can listen to um, a few episodes back on our very first South by Short, and also we remarked this with Handmaid's Tale, too, is when things are happening around you and you sort of can participate or not, you've just been sort of dropped into this world. Rather than um, with Roseanne, that was a very charming activation. All three of us went to it, but you are stage managed a little bit and like come over here and have your promotional pie from the lunchbox and come over here <laughs> and get your, crowded. Canvas, get your swag. canvas back. Yeah. I'll tell you about one that was even worse that I went to. <laughs> and I didn't think the Roseanne one was bad. It was just that it was just different. I, I can top, I went your, to a bad I can one. top your worst activation story. Okay. Okay. So. I'll t- <laughs> okay. Let me, I went to the one for the AMC's The Terror. And this was on a night where, you know, like not, not a lot was going on. It was toward the tail end of the festival. And I was like, okay, let me go to this. There was no line. There were like four people in line, you know, in the middle of the street on like near fourth in Colorado. So I go there and it was literally like they put you in a trailer, you sit in a tiny boat <laughs> with like four other people. They blow like fake snow in your face and there's screens all around you showing like clips from the show. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> all it is. It's like <clears throat> a low budget Universal Studios you ride. Were in a trailer with fake <laughs> snow blowing in your face. <clears throat> and and this is how bad it was. At the end of it so apologetically, the person helping us up to get out was like, that was the terror. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry that you had to go through that. Okay. All right. I want to pivot next. enjoyed the terror. <laughs> Can we now talk about apples and bananas? Oh, that, God. You were reading my mind. Okay, you went so to. I went to. This is my worst activation of the fest nomination is <laughs> CNN. Bless them. They tried to do a bananas, apples and bananas. It's really apples and oranges, I think, is the appropriate. It makes no no intuitive sense. differentiate themselves from fake news. So basically, it's the same as apples and bananas. So this is what the apple activation consisted of. A cart of cold apples. Everybody knows you don't eat cold apples. With a sticker on it that said CNN and not fake news. A guy in an apron was handing out to people in lines. But the kicker was, everywhere in this bar, it was somewhere over in the warehouse district, they had actually... um, Set up plate, fake plastic ivy on all the railings and the like, the different floors and on the bars, and they had hot glued plastic apples to the plastic ivy. Apples don't grow on ivy. CNN, I'm sorry, this is not how you convey. Fake news. That, not, that yeah, is fake news. It's fake news. And it was just, it was kind of a silly attempt to have a themed party. It wasn't a full on activation, um, but I, I have to rag on them for that because then I went over to the New York Times party and it was like 
flawlessly executed. <laughs> so, well, we, we have one Tali, more. what is your nomination? <laughs> we have for one more activation. Okay, war, so all right, you, all right. You got to start with the activation we were trying to opt out of first. This segment could be tough. Okay, well, so first we uh, we were, well, okay, so Omar were, and I were having a peaceful lunch um, across the street from the convention center at the South by Eats Park. And um, various TV shows were trying to get our attention and talk to us. There was one, what was that like? It was an audience network show where they were like, secret agents or whatever with a suitcase looking for a guy named John or something like, are you John? Are you John? And we're just like, yeah. no, you know what? Not into no, it. we're not going to, no, we don't need to be activated. No, it's, no, 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 no. And we're, we're just like, we had just finished saying like, you know, sometimes you just don't want to be pulled into the whole activation scene. So anyway, we're walking <laughs> along. P.S. listeners, this whole segment could have been subtitled, The Time an Activation Attacked Me. Okay, so... <laughs> Now we're walking across the streets back to the convention center. We're on Brazos, I think, where a big brand oh, Red has River. set up Red River. Yeah. Big brand has set up an activation. I'm not going to say their name, but let's just say they rhyme with Schmuber. And we're walking by, and all of a sudden, a wall starts falling down on me. And I thought it was made out of foam, so I just put my hand up to catch it. Little did I know, it's made of wood, and it has sandbags on it. And it was a, there was, a, like, a wind. And the wind caught it. Yeah. So then, like, it went from my fingers to my hand to my arm to Omar screaming behind me. <laughs> like, they're going to crush you, Tali! <laughs> <laughs> and we both caught it just just in time to catch it with our hands and then jump out of the way. It was heavy. It was really heavy. It was heavy. really heavy. And um, all the poor uh, Schmuber girls were standing there saying, I'm so sorry. I can't believe that happened to you. And, and we're like, you like a water or something? Like, can we do something for you? And I was like, I don't know. How about a free Uber ride? And they're like. To a lawyer. And they were like, we don't know how to do that. <laughs> we don't have a code. <laughs> and I was like. Okay, just make sure no one gets hurt, please. Please do not drop boards on anyone else. So I've so I've so I've coined a term for this. I tried fast Hollywood in one of our South by Shorts. That's really not what it is. This is fast fabrication, mm-hmm. like fast fashion. So, you know, this is not exactly a PDA. It's just more, you know, like general awareness. Know that this stuff that blows into South by isn't built to last. A wall could fall on you. And we're laughing about it. I was laughing while it was happening, but it could have been an injury. You could have really been hurt. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. our PDA is that we love Austin, and our PSA is that you need to watch out when you're working around. <laughs> Did I say PDA? But you know what? <laughs> this whole thing has been a PDA for... I think you were injured after <laughs> all, Dolly. <laughs> what I think is neat, though, is that... Like, it was not a display of affection. Austin, much. as a city, to wrap up the segment, we have such a love and hate relationship with South by Southwest and it's really fun and easy to sort of rag on the shortcomings of it and the ways that it fails us or crowds our city streets or makes us tired or all those things but I think all in all I come away with this satisfaction that we do host this thing collectively and I'm talking to every single bar back out there who is keeping the ice bins full and every person who is cleaning up the cups and sweeping up the trash and taking down the whatever they call the plastic wraps around the poles Street condoms, is that what they call them? <laughs> what? <Okay. laughs> the, I know what you're, I know yeah, what you're yeah. talking about. I, People, talking I mean, about. basically, like, the Downtown Austin Alliance does a lot to keep the city clean, and uh, this is just my uh, my thank you to everybody who helped make South By happen this year, including you fine folks. Yeah, thank hope, you, guys. Hope you guys had a fun time out there. It was exhausting. We would fun. love to hear your thoughts uh, on panels you attended, uh, fast fabrication activations that may or may not have hit you. Uh, hit us up online. We are at loveaustin360 on Twitter, and you could shoot us an email at loveaustin360 at statesman.com.
Our fabulous I Love You So Much producer, Alyssa Vidale, spent a lot of time covering red carpet arrivals at this year's South by Southwest. We invited her to share some of her favorite clips. So South by Southwest opened up with the Texas Film Awards at Austin Film Society Cinema, where there were plenty of celebs in attendance. Richard Linklater, of course, as well as Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer from Call Me By Your Name. And Alyssa, we really posed Army a hard-hitting question on the red carpet. What was it? Our, our lovely I Love You So Much correspondent, Eric Webb, asked him the most important question ever about his Whataburger order. I know you've got a lot of time logged in Texas. I read you like Whataburger. What's your Whataburger order? Oh, a double Whataburger with jalapenos. Better than In-N-Out? Or? Listen, don't make me choose sides here. They're different. They're different. I'll say that. They're different. One's not better than the other. They're just different. He also asked Elizabeth Chambers about what her favorite food was, too. My favorite food in Austin is queso. We arrived... 26 hours ago from Los Angeles. I've eaten queso six times since we arrived. I'm wearing Spanx. (laughs) Just so you know, I'm wearing Spanx. Yeah, lots of queso. Uh, Ryan Johnson, director of Star Wars The Last Jedi, was also in attendance. And this is not his first time to Austin, correct? This is not his first time to Austin. And he talked a little bit about that, too. I mean... First and foremost, I experienced it as a movie town. I started coming here for Fantastic Fest. The first time we showed Brick was at the Austin Film Festival, which was here. Uh, I mean, the first time we showed it here in Austin. But uh, So I experienced it first and foremost as a movie town. But then, as I've come here over the years, I've gotten into, I mean, everything from just like the vibe of the city and the music and the food and everything. I just, I always love coming here. So anyone who knows me knows I love Star Wars. When I saw this assignment come through, I was thinking, this is my destiny. I, I can disintegrate into the air now like a Jedi. It's all downhill from here. It's freaking awesome. But at the same time, it's really weird because even though I love this franchise, I was super calm when I was talking to Ryan Johnson, even though he directed a Star Wars film that I freaking love. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, I mean, he was a down-to-earth guy. He loves this town. He loves film. And he's kind of one of us. So, of course, I felt a little comfortable and decided to ask him, too, like, what his favorite food was around here. Oh, my God. I see. I go straight for queso. I mean, I, I just, I, it was just awful. It's so bad. Oh, can you see the suit is bursting at the seams because I went out last night and I was like, oh, God, I can't do it. Man. Yeah, that's why I can't live here. I, I would just be 300 pounds. Yeah. To be fair, Ryan was looking very strapping as uh, he was about to, he was there for the um, the Last Jedi documentary, The Director and the Jedi, which goes into, into like the behind the scenes look at like everything that went to that process. And it was super freaking glorious. Um, and I remembered that back in the day, Ryan Johnson actually came here to a film fest on South Lamar. And he had pulled out his iPhone and, you know, said, hey, everybody cheer and everybody boo. And he said that he was going to put those sounds into The Last Jedi. And so I asked him that on the red carpet and he confirmed it. So the cheers that are in the Canto Bite scene, where you hear like the yelling and stuff like that, like around the races, that is a crowd from the Austin Elmo Draft House. Oh, girl, okay. Alyssa, that is some inside baseball. Your local intrepid reporter here, like working for you. Jump in and ask Alyssa a quick question about covering red carpets because you are a mega movie fan. Mega. What is it like being a journalist on a red carpet 
trying to, you know, haggle for interviews and interview these people that you admire as artists, but that you're also fans of, but that you're also trying to cover? Sure. Well, let me push up my nerd glasses here because it is an absolute delight. And, you know, it's not for the reasons where it's just for the grams, as the kids are saying. I think a moment I'll always kind of take away is at the Isle of Dogs premiere, which was the world premiere. Um, there was a uh, Austin Tycho, I believe that's how you pronounce it, like drum corps line, like Japanese drums, like right outside the theater. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And I was getting there before we had to be on the red carpet. I was like, this would be perfect B-roll to add to the film because the reason why it's there, it's, it's bringing in the ambience of like the Isle of Dogs scene. Mm-hmm. And I had a moment where I actually teared. I choked up because I was like, I'm so glad I get to record this and bring it to the people because this is what I love about this town, this festival. And to have the opportunity to do that, just to be the middleman and like showcase that, it felt so freaking special. And I love doing the red carpet and asking the questions that I as a viewer would like as an Austinite, a lover of this town, a lover of movies would want to know. And so that's when you get questions like, how is it, you know, how does Jeff Goldblum get into the character as an animated dog? And he looks at Eric Webb with puppy dog eyes. Like, it's just, you can't capture that. I just love to do that for y'all. It's all for y'all. That is beautiful. (laughs) Okay, well, let's keep on nerding out with some red carpet celebs. So Lena Waithe, the uh, star, one of the stars of Master of None. She's the bestie of Aziz Ansari's character. She's also in Ready Player One. She was here, and what did she have to say about Austin? Yeah, so she was here for the world premiere, the surprise world premiere of Ready Player One. That kind of dropped on us, as well as a surprise TV, Steven Spielberg. But she was on the red carpet, and she had this to say about uh, being in Austin. Have you been to Austin before? I have not. It's my first time. My first time here and my first time at this festival. And so far, it's been a wonderful ride. Yeah. What What, what is the highlight so far for the trip? Um, I tried Torchy's Tacos. What did you think? I thought they were really good. Uh, I had the Migas and I had the um, uh, the Democrat. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but but also too, just above all that, just like seeing all these amazing people, the city is such an, a wonderful en- uh, energy, and um, I can feel it, man. It's contagious. I love her. I know, and it was it's really cool to see. Like, I think that's cool about the red carpet too. Like, you get to approach them as real people, and I mean, it's special to see hear someone's like Torchy's Tacos moment because we've all had ours, you know. So, so you mentioned Isle of the Dogs earlier in the segment. Let's talk about Kenichi Namura. Am I saying his last name correctly? Nomura, yeah. Isle of Dogs. It was pretty good, which was also directed by UT alum and Austin favorite Wes Anderson. So a lot of ties there. Yeah, so he was here. Um, Was this his first time to Austin or no? So this was his first time in Austin, and it was actually kind of surprising. Eric Webb was on the red carpet with me there, too, and he asked, you know, is this your first time to Texas? And this actually wasn't. I went to high school here. Oh, you did? Oh, tell me a little bit about that. Where? Uh, near Lake Texoma. Okay. Yeah, like in 1990. So maybe I lost a bit of accent, but I had a full Texan accent when I went back home. I was working at the bar. An old American customer said, like, boy, you have some strange accent as the Japanese. Like, so I've been to Texas. I love Texas, like, you know, hospitality. Like, once... When you meet the people first time, they're like kind of cool, like a hi, you know. But once you get to know, like it's hard to leave, you know what I mean. So, Wes is from Texas. I I've met many people over the years. It's like 
How do you learn Jap, you know, English, Kun? Like, oh, I went to school in Texas. Oh, I'm from Texas, you know, and Texas bond and connection is very, very strong. And I, I appreciate that. Oh my, can he be the ambassador for the state of Texas, please? I know, it was so sweet. And he had like those little glasses on. He was so cool. But uh, this was apparently his, this was his first time in Texas in 24 years. I looked on his Instagram and he had went to the Salt Lick and all that stuff. And you could tell that like he was excited to be back. Really went for it. Yeah. Cool. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for chatting with us about your red carpet experience. Yeah. And these are just like a pinch of like what we covered from the red carpet. I mean, we also have Ty Sheridan, a local favorite, talking about how he and Early Klein uh, from Ready Player One kind of, you know, debuting this in their hometown and a lot of other stuff from the video. So if you want to see more of these people, like check out Austin360.com and you will see all these videos and more. got Eric Webb with us for a web report. Now, you did a lot at South by Southwest 2018. I did so much. But the, the, one of the most interesting things you did that I read was about a sleep concert. You actually got to sleep on the job, which is my dream. That's right. That's right. I It was not the only nap I took in an office-adjacent capacity that uh, South by Southwest week, but this was the only one that I was doing for actual news coverage. Uh, it was a concert called Sleep. It was the opening concert of South by Southwest on that first Monday. It started at midnight at Bass Concert Hall and went until 8 o'clock in the morning. And as you have alluded to, the concept of the concert is you're supposed to sleep. Now, you're supposed to sleep through it. And there were beds in Bass Concert Hall. That was uh, notable to me when I saw the picture. Right. So I didn't know exactly what to expect. I had seen, on the, seen it on the schedule and I felt like they didn't, South by Southwest didn't really make too big of a brouhaha about it beforehand. And I just saw it because I was scrolling through things trying to figure out what I wanted to cover. But it's this concert that Max Richter has uh, performed in different cities across the world. And so this was the uh, American premiere. And on the stage at Bass Concert Hall, there was a platform where he was. And then he had a string quintet off to the side that would come in and out over the course of eight hours. That cannot be emphasized enough. And then there were beds from Beautyrest that were... Uh, arranged around the platform on the stage. So we were actually on the stage in beds, pillows, blankets, sleep masks, the whole nine yards. Oh <laughs> and how, about many people, how many people yeah. are we talking here? Uh, it was 150 beds and wow. they were awful. I took my sleep mask home, of course. Um, but wh- how it works is they come on at midnight and uh, it starts off and it's a classical concert. I mean, it's not classical in in the Mozart, Beethoven sense, Mm -hmm. but classical, I guess, in the genre sense. And Max Richter has composed music for The Leftovers and Arrival and Black Mirror. So he's a fairly famous, popular composer. But the whole concert experience is designed to do things to your brain, I think, that lead you into a sleep or meditative state and so they're very upfront going in like you can do whatever you want you can sit there and watch it all night you can fall asleep there's a guy i think within the first 15 minutes right who i heard snoring who just like didn't did he even stay try for pretty much the whole time yeah he didn't even try he just like packed it in he wrapped himself up like a little like a little hot dog and he was out like a light um but then i was not trying to go to sleep expressly i was open to the possibility 
But I wanted to cover it, and the whole idea of how I wanted to cover it was sort of a war journal where I just, like, sort of <laughs> track the descent of my sanity. It's 3.30 a.m., and they're playing again. And they're still playing, and I've become one with the violin. But uh, I, I honestly fell asleep and didn't even realize I had fallen asleep and then woke up and I was like, ah, dang it. Well, how long did you sleep? I was in and out. I think I went to sleep for in a few different jags, probably four different times, but hmm. only for like, I think at the most two hours. And then when you woke up, were you just ethereal? And yeah. Did it work? I mean, it was the experiment hal- work? Yes, it was a hallucinatory experience, honestly, because the other thing about it that I noticed as I was going to sleep and waking up was that the music trended in a more ambient direction the longer it went. And uh, at the end, when you're supposed to wake up at eight, these little lights that were positioned all around the perimeter of the platform in the middle gradually turned on and the house lights changed a little bit and then the music kind of circled back to what it sounded like at the beginning at midnight. It was very fascinating and it honestly it felt very trippy. Hmm. So th- is this something that tours, have they, they performed this in other places as well? They perform this, performed in other places. This was uh, the American premiere but uh, I'm having trouble thinking of some of the other cities but it's been cities around the world where they've performed it before hmm. and it set a Guinness World Record for like uh, so- something to do with the length of time uh, on a broadcasted concert because they've performed it, um, broadcasted it before. Wow. So I- I'm seeing like <laughs> I would like to see more of that. I, I would know. like to see a lot I of concerts. Go. Now that I yeah. know what, and now I know the details of it and hear you say that, it's like, gosh, what a great way to sort of like, I don't know, just explore sleep and the different ways, you know, the inputs that we take in. I mean, mm-hmm. most of us are like scrolling Instagram and Twitter right before we go to bed. But what if we were listening to more, you know, what if we incorporated music into our sleep pattern in a different way? Yeah. Well, so it was very much that. And they said that they're releasing on Spotify the whole concert. So soon you can you can mm-hmm. actually bring this into your bedroom if you so choose. But it was very much at the intersection of performance art and installation and just traditional concert. And it was meant, they were very upfront about it in the description and when they introduced it before they started playing about how they wanted you to use use this experience as a way to rethink your relationship with sleep. And something I remarked, I marked, uh, remarked upon was I saw people... You know, on their phones immediately, mm-hmm. like in their bed. So in that way, it felt very much like an art project because mm-hmm. you had this stage and a bunch of people sitting on the stage in beds while there's a concert in front of them, and they're all still on their phones. That's and where it, the real, yeah, the real art comes from. Is like, well, how do people behave? Well, and then in this I environment exactly. Yeah. And I woke up around six, I think, for the last time that I like finally woke up, and then the concert was over at eight. And it was so funny to watch people waking up and immediately picking up their phones. It really felt like... Where am I? Yeah, it was it was crazy. It like made me rethink how I interact with my phone in bed, which is extensively. Now, apart from the 150 people in the beds, were there, was there audience beyond that or was it just 150 people? So people who did not get a bed, they allowed them to sit in the seats at the Bass Concert Hall uh, up until 2 a.m., and then they had to leave the peanut gallery. And there were it wasn't a full house. And, and I mean, obviously, Bass Concert Hall is kind of large. But uh, there was a handful of people there. And then I noticed in the morning, people had... I don't know if they were the same people that came back or if they were people that were involved with the concert experience that were just kind of watching. But yeah, there were some spectators. So then, in that way, you became the art. Mm-hmm. It was very Lady Gaga. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us about this, Eric. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and get some sleep, some more sleep this week. I will try. And please let me know when they bring this back because I want to be there. <laughs> absolutely. Now 
it's time on the show and we recommend stuff we feel you should be checking out. Uh, Tali, you want to get started? Oh my gosh, I am bursting with toasts this week. Um, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. So first of all, we went camping this past week at this state park I'd never heard of called Cap Rock Canyons. Um, it's in North Texas and it's beautiful. It's red rocks as far as the eye can see. So, um, you know, if like Marf is all full, <laughs> then <laughs> Big Bend is all full. <laughs> like, consider Caprock Canyons. It's truly lovely. We hit it up on our on route to New Mexico. Um, I discovered a Swedish pop star this week. I th- think I've been living under a rock, and everyone knows about this person, and I really hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Tovlo. Have you all heard of this mm-hmm. person? Tovlo. Tovlo. Oh, yeah, I've heard okay. of her. Okay. She, I, you know, like, I don't know if this is her Swedishness, but she's very sex positive in her pop music. A lot more, it sounds just as bubblegummy as American pop music does, but it's a, it's slightly more explicit, but in a very owned female gazy way. So, Tovlo, I'm with you, girl. And finally, uh, Ross and I started listening to this podcast series from Scene on Radio by John Bewin. And the, it's, Scene on Radio doesn't, you know, it does stuff in seasons, and it takes different topics. But the series that we listened to is called Seeing White. And um, it is, he describes it as <laughs> um, helping everyone understand this ocean of whiteness that we're swimming in. And the takeaway that I got from that show is, you know, if you are white, it's not enough to be not racist. You know, mm-hmm. it's a deeper mm-hmm. set of... It's a it's it's much deeper, and uh, he also does a great job in that show of differentiating differenti- differentiating bigotry from power. And whereas bigotry is psychologized, people think that's what racism is. Systemic institutional power and how it's wielded—that's really the issue when we talk mm. about race. So anyway, I recommend it to everyone. We listen to it on a long car ride. It's a fourteen part, but you can probably finish it in a matter of hours. That's awesome. Okay, so I will give a little shout out to grocery shopping with your kids. So this is a random toast, but people complain to me all the time that they don't like shopping with their kids. And I'm like, well, they just don't have enough experience doing it. But like just yesterday, uh, the boys and I went and saw a movie and then we went to Central Market. And I did not need a dang thing at that grocery store. But they had been asking, hey, we haven't been to Central Market. We'd like to go. And so we just kind of gawked at the stuff and I took them over to the tea aisle and I took down the things of tea and was like, ooh, smell this one and smell this one. And how about you guys pick out, you guys can each pick out something from the bulk section. And then we went over to the cheeses and I was asking them, you know, which of these cheeses are you curious about trying? And I mean, I spent $20 on stuff we did not need, but it was the best $20 that I could have spent because we went home and we tried these different cheeses and we sheep's cheese and goat cheese and tried, made some new tea and it was just awesome. And I'm realizing that we do this pretty regularly. You know, I took them to H Mart, uh, which we've talked about plenty on this show. Um, a few days before that, we went to La Hacienda, which is one of the meat markets near our house, and bought costillas, which are the short ribs that you can throw on the grill. And my kids love going to the Mexican meat markets because, I mean, we go and we talk to the butcher and we get things that we don't normally get at the grocery store. And it just really enlivens our food experience. And I just want to encourage people who have kids to uh, help introduce to them the joy of discovery that happens in grocery stores. And, uh, you know, if you only shop online, at some point you, too, are going to miss out on that joy. And so, you know, get your booty into different grocery stores and bring your kids or your parents or whoever else you love. That's a great one. I have have one who kind of acts up a lot and one that loves going to the grocery store and makes a list and everything. So, yeah. So you could take the troublesome one. 
and let her pick. I don't know. Let her guide it. <laughs> Call Catalina. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> or, or maybe, the maybe. stores in flames behind me hey, as I walk out. If she wants to come grocery shopping with the food writer, I will happily go with her. I may take you up and on we'll that. And we'll go pick a, out mochi. That's a great idea. My other new favorite thing. Oh, she's great around other people. Anyway. <laughs> Omar. Uh, Omar, what's yours? Uh, together is a VR experience I got to see at South by Southwest. The virtual cinema in general, I thought, was much improved this year. I did a whole article that you can find on 512tech.com about how last year it was sort of this narrow room with two sides of VR stuff that smelled by the by Thursday. <laughs> like it was just dank and smelly and not great. Last year, this year, it was much bigger. They, they uh, doubled the space of the VR installations. Everything was sort of more like maze-like. They had the Meow Wolf stuff there, which was glitchy as, as hell. And, you know, hours and hours to wait. I didn't even get to do it. So really, thanks, Meow Wolf. <laughs> and they had goofy dancers at a thing I went to. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Terrence Malick, the Austin filmmaker, had an, uh, a short VR film called Together, which Tali, you would love. It is a dance film that they did with a dance company and also with the help of Facebook. And it is just a very brief, like a five minute experience. And at first, you know, it's got the Terrence Malick, you know, the way leaves grass waving in the <laughs> Space. air. You know, I was like, oh, okay, come on, Malick gonna Malick. But it got me. It got me. You know, by the end of the five minutes, I was almost in tears. Mm. The dancing was so beautiful. The imagery really came together. And you're, it's a 360 dimension thing. So you can look around. The dancers go around you. Wow. The imagery is like being displayed on banners all around you and at the end it sort of cuts to space and you're like oh, I get it I get I it the knew. universe I knew it it's it very Malick but it got me and I was like and I was in, almost in tears in my VR headset so yet I I asked about it they said it's it's not yet available but it will be at some point if you have a VR headset and you can download it online it's really I mean it's turns Malick it's, it's oh beautiful God. and Malik in that short a dose in a five minute potent is perfect. dose is, is perfect just yes, enough exactly so that was m- my favorite thing that I saw at the virtual cinema so if that comes out together uh, the Terrence Malik VR experience it's, it's lovely really beautiful that's neat awesome. thanks for sharing that Omar thanks, yeah, totally. thanks guys that's our show she's Addie he's Omar I'm Tali Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at loveaustin360. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is produced by Alyssa Vidales. The show is made with support from Features Editor Sharon Chapman and the entire Austin 360 staff. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find more about the show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave a voicemail at 512-445-3672. This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Lexus of Austin. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listener, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your reusable South by Southwest canvas bags. Until next week, we'll see you posing for pictures with the Blue Bonnets. Mm-hmm.